Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Larry Kreider here with the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast, back again today with my friend Jake Kale. Welcome back. Thanks, Larry. Great to be here again. It was great last week. You had so many good insights into leadership, and we're going to talk a lot today about deliverance, and our leaders need to understand how they can help other people get delivered, how they can be delivered, and all that thing. Before we do that, uh, let's talk yet about any other leadership insights that you have. Would you do that? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was just thinking about uh, there was a season in my life, maybe 10, 11 years ago, where God really started to highlight the topic of, of leadership to me. It was actually through a mentor, and I had this epiphany that there's a difference between ministry functions and leadership ability. Oh, and, you know, So they, they, they work together, but so ministry functions, that might be praying over somebody, evangelizing, pastoral counsel, teaching, preaching. Right. Those are ministry functions. Okay. But then leadership is actually different. That's giving oversight you know, to a group. That's Very good. having, um, you know, communicating, leading teams, building teams. And what I realized is if I had great grace in ministry, but not in leadership, then I'd be very limited. Exactly. You know, very, very, very limited. They are two very different things. They are. Yeah, yeah. they are. And, and not, not everybody is called to both. You know, some, some will only be called more to ministry functions, but not, right. not necessarily have a governmental or leadership right. calling. But I knew God was calling me into leadership. So I really went on this journey of learning about leadership, by reading books on yeah. it, and just growing and just asking the Lord to help me. Okay, teach me how to lead well. How do I yes. not just, because leadership is not just about a position. That's right. See, we think, well, if I have a position, then I'm a leader. Well, no, it's actually, it's about a responsibility. It is. It's about serving. It's about communicating. It's about governing and making decisions, hard decisions. Yeah. Just, you know, so um, if, we, if we think of leadership only as a position, we're missing so much of yeah. it. And so that was a key, Interesting. pivotal time in my life that God really started to highlight this topic to, to make me aware of the need for growth. In yeah. This you know, there's the old saying that some people say they're leading, but there's nobody following them. They're just out taking a yeah. walk. Yeah, you know, that's, the old that's saying. Right. It's really true. Yeah. But leadership, governmental, you use the word that's right, is so different. Like elders in the church need to have some kind of governmental calling on their lives yes. to lead, not just be able to minister. That's and, right. And there's a lot of people who are misplaced. Some people carry both. Some carry one, some carry the other. But we really, really need to understand the difference. So That's right. I really, really, yeah. really affirm yeah. that. Well, Jake, we want to talk today about all that God's taught you as you've ministered to so many people already about deliverance. And mm-hmm. how did you get involved in deliverance? And, you know, I, I knew we talked a little bit about that in the last podcast, but give us a little bit of your journey in deliverance. Yep. And I've got a bunch of questions I want to ask Sounds you. Sounds great. All right. Yeah. So the short version, you know, I shared more last week, but, but you know, I encountered God at 19, was yep. radically set free hungry for God, I would read the scriptures and yeah. see these stories of Jesus casting out demons yeah. and wondering, you know, where is this? Is right. this relevant? God was speaking to me in dreams about it, read some great books on it, really equipped me, and then he kind of thrust me yeah. into it. And yeah. now for the last 16, 17 years, it's been a very fruitful uh, 
part of my ministry consistently yeah. over the last years. Yeah, and you've modeled this. I mean, you've, you've, uh, you're leading the way in this, not only in this county, but now way beyond that. Guys, give you open doors for this, and I'm so, so grateful. I told you one-on-one, I'm so grateful for you. And this is such a valid ministry that's so needed in the body of Christ. Yes. Yeah, and, and every believer can do it. That's right, that's right. And I really feel like God's highlighting it in this season yes. right now, just bringing it back to the forefront. Not, not like it's the only thing, but along with so many other areas, just exactly. highlight this area. I totally affirm that. Talk to me about five truths about demonic influence. Yes. What is that? Yeah, so you know, there's so much misunderstanding on the topic of demons, deliverance, there's confusion, there's fear, stigma. And so I like to bring just real clarity. And so mm. when I talk about these five truths of demonic influence, the first one's very simple. That's just that demonic influence is real. We can't ignore the fact that there are evil spirits. Right. We can't pretend like they don't exist. We can't right. pretend like we never have to interact or deal with, right. with, with them. Uh, the second thing is that demonic influence is actually common, not rare. It's actually common for a person to need deliverance. We, I used to think, I remember, I used to think if a person needed uh, deliverance, it might be extremely rare, just you know, a far-off jungle somewhere else outside right, of the right. right? Um, but what I find in the scriptures is that it was common. Jesus yeah. did it on a regular basis. He put right. it side by side with preaching. Yeah, he did. And then he equipped all of his followers to do it, and he expected them to do it. So it's actually not uncommon. There's different degrees of demonic right. influence. Not everyone's in the same degree. Some's very mild. Some might be more extreme. Um, but that's another truth about demonic influence. A third truth is that there's certain things that can open the door to demonic influence. Yeah. So certain things that we can do, maybe it's sinful choices we've made or agreements with sin, getting involved in the occult or... Uh, maybe it's going through hardships or abuse, being abused mm-hmm. or oppressed. Uh, it might be um, generational influences, unforgiveness. So there's certain things that can open the door right. for evil spirits to gain access to a person's life. The fourth truth, which is one that's the most controversial, we, I think we talked about it in last week's episode yeah. for, for a minute, that's that Christians can have demons. Yeah, talk more about that. Yeah, so Christians can need deliverance. I know that can be controversial. Um, the way I like to explain it is I use the illustration of a house. Yeah. Because according to Scripture, evil spirits see us as a house. It says right. in Matthew 12, right. it says an unclean spirit goes out of a person. Mm-hmm. He says, I'll come back to my house. Uh-huh. So a demon sees a person as a house. But so does God. He sees his people as a temple right. or a house right. for the Holy Spirit. So the way I like to illustrate this is imagine there's a 30-year-old house and the first owner treated it horribly. You know, he left holes in the wall. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's junk in the you know in the basement everywhere. Right. There's leaky roofs, pipe problems, all kind of stuff. And then let's say a new owner comes along, and he has a vision for what this house could be. Sure. And he says, "I'm going to buy this house as is. I'm not going to require you to do any changes. I'm going to buy it as is." And so he he makes the purchase. He pays the money. Yes. There's a transaction that happens. Right. That's what it's like when we're saved. That's yeah, true. Right. We're redeemed. It means we're mm-hmm. purchased. Mm-hmm. But God buys us as is. He doesn't expect us to get perfect first. That's a great illustration. Right? I mean, we turn to him in genuine repentance. We put our faith in Christ. But he doesn't say, get all cleaned up, get rid of all your junk, then I'll accept you. No, he comes in to the midst of all that junk. True. So there's a transaction that happens. A new owner comes into the house. And now he says, I'm going to fix this house up. I'm going to walk it through a refurbishing process. I'm going to fix the holes in the roof. I'm going to put new paint on the walls. I'm going to put put new pipes in. I'm going to clean out the junk, right? So he takes it through a process of transformation and he makes it into a great-looking house. Right? That's what God does with us. So when we get saved, there could still be areas of our life from the past, sin, sins we've committed, stuff that happened to us. Maybe we dabbled in the occult or New Age or fortune-telling, uh, psychic-type stuff. And so those things allowed this demonic mm. influence. And then after getting saved, yes, we're forgiven. 
Yes, the Holy Spirit has comes to dwell in us. Now he wants to fully transform us. And so a believer that needs deliverance, it doesn't mean they're possessed by a demon. It means maybe there's some areas in the house that need to be swept clean. Right, and, right. And God uses deliverance as one of those areas. It's not the only thing. There's inner healing, repentance, sure, renewing the mind, sure. all these all these things. But sure. yeah, so yeah, so that's that fourth truth. Christians can need deliverance. They can, right. they can, they can. And then the fifth truth is that believers are given authority over evil spirits. Okay, talk about that. So, so this is something that's part of what it means to be a believer. When Jesus called his followers, he specifically gave them authority. It says in Luke nine one, he gave them the power and authority over evil spirits. And then in Luke ten, he sends out a larger group, yes, yes. seventy other. Uh, of his followers, right? They come back. They said, "Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name." Right. Right. That's a picture of our spiritual authority in Christ. Exactly. But if we don't know it, if I'm not aware of that authority, like when God first started calling me to to deliverance, I was afraid to do it. I was afraid. What if I actually meet this person I saw in the dreams, or you know, what if I have to cast out a demon? I was I was nervous. I was scared because I didn't understand my authority. Right. That Jesus had already given us. Because we're believers. Right. So that, that, that authority is rooted in the word of God. It's rooted in the yeah. name of Jesus. And if we can grasp that, then we don't have to be afraid mm-hmm. to, to cast out demons or to break the power of demonic spirits and curses and all those things. So those are some basic truths Good. I like to teach in this area of deliverance. So in light of this, Jake, if someone says, I think I've got this life-controlling problem, you know, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. Not just fear, mm-hmm. but a spirit of fear. Mm-hmm. It's uncontrollable. Some, you, can't, you feel like you can't help yourself. Uh, does that mean that person should go to another believer and ask them to cast a demon out? Can they cast the demon out themselves? What's that look like? Do you yeah, believe absolutely. in self-deliverance? Yeah, I do. So, I mean, even in the book, Setting Captives Free, I have many prayers for deliverance that go through Good. different topics. Good. Bondage, oppression, torment, affliction. Yeah. And I, I, I've seen many testimonies of people that prayed through and received deliverance on wow. their own or even watching a live stream, watching sure. a prayer. But I also realize that in, in some cases, people might it might be better for them to reach out and have somebody stand with right. them. It's kind of case by case, right. depending on the, the level of demonic influence and their level of faith and, yeah. and, uh, and authority. And there's power in tours. There is. In there agreement. is. We there don't is. know that. Yeah. So sometimes right. people just don't know who to ask right? because right. maybe their church doesn't practice deliverance or believe right. in it. And, right. and, and so, but yeah, I've definitely seen many people get delivered just in their own. Yeah. Yeah. Often the term is used breaking chains of bondage. You know, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. So so how do you see that? Yeah, so I the way I would see a bondage is a bondage is when a person wants to be free but can't seem to get free. Okay. Versus maybe a person that might be in rebellion, they're right. just running after the world, they're running after sin. Sure, or sure. a person in deception, they're deceived into thinking it's okay. Somebody in bondage they know, like, let's say it's an addiction to a substance. Let's say it's an addiction to a sexual thing like pornography, right, right. anger, uncontrollable anger. Like they, sure. If a person's in bondage, they genuinely want to be free. They're turning their heart to God. But no matter what they do, they're praying, they're fasting, right. they're getting counsel. They cannot seem to really get a full breakthrough. That's what I see as bondage. In situations like that, I would say it tends to be that there's some demonic influence involved. It's not okay. just the flesh. Because sometimes, obviously, there's just the flesh. We stumble in and we walk in the flesh instead of the spirit. But when it's a bondage, when it's really crippling, enslaving, compulsive, there's a good chance there could be a demonic spirit involved. And so casting out the spirit is going to be a key part of that person's freedom. What's the difference between bondage and oppression? Is there a difference as you see that? Yeah, so uh, so there's different types of demonic influence. I actually explained four of them in Setting Captives Free. So, yeah, bondage is one. The way I see oppression, oppression more is... 
It's like a dark cloud weighing a person down, pushing pushing down on somebody. It might right. be like depression. Okay. Uh, the Bible talks about a spirit of heaviness in Isaiah yes. 61. Yes. Uh, it, it's so it's being it's being controlled or pushed down, um, like from this this force, uh, you know, out, out, outside of us or maybe even internal. But um, it says in Acts 10:38 that Jesus healed people who were oppressed by the devil. Right. So that's one of the characteristics right. of how Satan wants to. You know, influence people is to push them down yes, this dark yes. cloud, this depression, this darkness over them. Yeah, and then torments another one. Yeah, I have explain in there. that. Torments often in the mind. Okay, this is where it might be crippling fears, intrusive thoughts or images, mm. nightmares, insomnia, mm. uh, you know, self hatred, suicidal thoughts or images in the mind. That's more what torment is. That's another way that evil spirits influence people. We see in the Bible it says that they were tormented by unclean spirits. And so it's often more in the mind mm-hmm. through those kind of intrusive, unwanted images and thoughts. Yeah. And then torment's the other one, right? Affliction. Affliction is the other yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Affliction or infirmity. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's where it's a physical it's a physical issue gotcha. caused by a spiritual being. So like Luke 13 said there was a woman that had a spirit of infirmity. Right. But she was bent over. So she yeah, was crippled yeah, in yeah. her back. Yeah. But it was caused by spirit. So that's the uh, infirmity. And that's the fourth area. Yep. So someone's listening and saying, wow, this guy's speaking to me. I'm dealing with this stuff myself. What would you recommend they do? Yeah. So if uh, if a person gets a sense that they might need deliverance, like maybe there's an area of bondage or oppression or torment, um, if you're able to, you know, reach out to to someone that that you trust or if it's part of your church, I would I would go that route. If you're not um, I, I just I, you can you can pray through on your own. You can um, so your your, your the books here. Like which of your books would help people pray through on their own if they wanted to? Do yeah. That? So setting captives free would be the one for for receiving personal deliverance. Okay. And then how to minister deliverance more for equipping and how to step out to minister to others. Okay. Um, so either way, um, I tend to when I when I teach about like a deliverance prayer. Yeah. Typically, I use James four seven as a pattern where it says submit to God. Yes. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Yeah. In other words, you want to close that door. So if there's a sin issue, if there was a cultic issue, if there's unforgiveness, you want to clo- you want to yield yourselves to God. That positions us to resist the devil. Mm-hmm. So if it's you know renouncing the occult, if it's forgiving somebody, if it's repenting, that's the first part of a deliverance prayer. Then the second part that resists the devil in this context it means actually cast out the right. spirit. Right. Where we actually use the authority right. that Jesus gave us. We talked so about good. earlier. We command so it to come out. In Jesus' name. Yeah, so good. Now, talk about generational curses. Yeah. yeah. That's a big one. That is a big one. And that can, again, this whole topic can be, again, controversial. People can wonder about generational curses. Well, how can a believer, you know, have a generational curse? And uh, I think the way I would say it is there are things that Jesus purchased for us on the cross, right? Mm-hmm. Our salvation, our forgiveness, even our physical healing. Yeah. But there's a difference between having something legally and having something experientially. Mm-hmm. So Jesus paid the price for us to be delivered from all curses. It says right. in Galatians 3, it says he became a curse for us. Right. We could be redeemed from the curse of the law. That includes generational curses. That term really refers to destructive or sinful patterns you could see flowing through a family line. Right. And there's right. a lot of different scriptures we could get into, but sure. that's the basic concept of mm-hmm. it. It's when maybe you see through a family line a pattern of... Um, alcoholism, or you see a pattern of sexual immorality or abuse or destructive mindsets, even sometimes physical or mental illnesses, you you see Mm -hmm. passing through family lines. Mm -hmm. So that's what we mean by generational curse. Evil spirits can can be 
essentially attached to those. They kind of can come through that family line. Yeah. So basically, we we pass on a spiritual inheritance to our children. Yeah, that's right. And that can be blessings yeah. or curses. It can be both. Curses right? the fourth generation. Exactly, right? Third mm-hmm. and fourth generations, exactly. Yeah. So so breaking those generational curses, I found for some people, I don't make a formula out of, out of any of this, but mm-hmm. for some people, that's one of the keys for them actually experiencing full freedom is when we go back through and we pray specifically to break yeah. because they see that pattern in their family, but we break that curse we, we declare that the blood of Jesus separates them from it, paid the price for it. We yep. command those spirits that are attached to it to go. And for some people, that's like the key part of their freedom. Yeah. It's like they're almost a transition point in their family line. Yeah. Where there's been yeah. these cycles for one generation to the next, and they're in this battle for their life because they are that transition point yeah. where they're saying, not anymore, they're cutting it off. So yeah. that's key. Someone said recently that you can have Jesus in your heart, but Grandpa on your bones. There you go. You know, Look at that. going back generations, and that's why these breaking mm-hmm. these generational curses is so powerful, so important. I grew up in a family, uh, you know, back a generation or two of mental illness and also alcoholism. So okay. I had to break, break that my, over my mm-hmm. life in those two areas. Generational curses. They had to be broken so I could walk in freedom and by God's grace, all these years have been free. Amen. It's but you've got to break these things. And you can usually see what they are. You can see, are there certain things, ways of thinking that we have in our generation, the same as parents or grandparents mm-hmm. or great grandparents back in third and fourth generation? That's right. And we got to make sure it's broken or we, we simply cannot live in, to the fullness yep. in the way God wants us to live. Talk to us about soul ties. Okay. Yeah. What what are soul ties? Yeah. So the concept of soul ties, um, essentially, you know, God created us to be relational beings, right? Because we're created in His image. He's relational, right? And He created us to have healthy relationships, godly relationships, loving relationships, and uh, healthy bonds with other people. Uh, then the enemy, he always counterfeits. He always takes what God intended for something good, and he misuses it, and he abuses it, and he makes it destructive. And so. Uh, a soul tie is essentially a close relationship or bond with another person. Mm-hmm. And it can be godly or ungodly. Right. So even right. like it talks about um, in First Samuel, it says that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. Yeah. Right? They had a covenant yeah. friendship, yes. close relationship there. Um, but it wasn't ungodly. It was just a bond, right. a covenant friendship. And then we know the covenant of marriage, to become one. Right. right? That's, that's God's design for marriage, exactly. that to become one. That's a bond that's meant to be there. So... When there's an ungodly soul tie, it's essentially can be created through one of two ways, mainly. One is through sexual sin. Mm-hmm. So, you know, God designed sexual intimacy for right. the covenant of marriage between right. a man and woman. And that's that's what he designed it in. It's blessed in that. And he intended it for that. But when it's done outside of that, it misses the mark. It's, right. But it still creates a oneness. Paul Paul talked about this with the Corinthians. He said, he said don't you know that if you... Go and you know have sex with a prostitute. You're actually becoming one That's flesh right. with That's that right. person, even though you're not in covenant marriage with them. Right. You're, you still made a oneness connection with yeah. them. So yeah. any type of sexual intimacy outside of a marriage covenant creates a bond to that person that wasn't meant Correct. to be created. Correct. So that's an ungodly soul tie. Uh, and then the second way that these kind of destructive soul ties can happen is through any type of destructive or abusive relationship. So where there is an element of uh, control, physical abuse, sexual abuse, different types of abusive dynamics, codependency mm-hmm. even, where it can be unhealthy, you know, attachments, uh, where, where, where the relationship is based on trauma, it's based on uh, control versus being based on mutual respect and honor mm-hmm. and love. We're never meant to be controlled by other people. We're never meant for other people to dominate us. Right. Or is that where us. word curses come in? Is that the same kind of a deal? Or is that something different? So word curses can be connected to that. 
word curse is the way I would describe a word curse. Um, it's when a person speaks destructive words to you, yeah. uh, where they say like authoritative statements or declarations about your identity or about your destiny that are not godly, not according to God's design. So like if a parent were to speak to a child and say, you're never going to amount to anything. Right. Right. So they're not just saying like, they're not just bringing correction, like, hey, like, let's get this straightened right. out. Right. They're actually speaking a declaration. That's correct. Or, or if it's over their identity, like, you know, you are stupid, right? I mean, yeah, I, just, I can't even yeah, like, it just yeah. breaks my heart even just thinking about, because those words are powerful. The Bible talks so much about the power of words, life and death in the tongue, destructive words. It talks about being like swords, being like arrows, like yep. deadly poison. Right, right. And so when a person comes under words like that, that are destructive, it actually releases demonic assignments. Evil spirits yep. can be attached to those words. And I've seen it, I don't know how many times, oh, wow. breaking the power of those right. word curses. See, I'd see people weep and wail and things get uprooted from their soul, from their mind, these things that have just been over them. Um, so, mm. yeah, it can be. Yeah, I'm so grateful for the resources that, you know, that you have written to help the body of Christ in these things. Setting Captives Free, the book Setting Captives Free by Jake Kale. Highly recommend it. Read it cover to cover, read an endorsement for it. Just a great book about how we can be free and stay free. And just a great uh, catch all on, on this whole subject. And then your more recent book, uh, How to Minister Deliverance. Now, that, that's a, more of a training manual. Mm-hmm. If someone says, I'm really called to help people get set free, yep. that's the training manual to help them do it, right? It is, yeah. And it's not just for church leaders. I mean, it's okay. for any believers. Um, I, have, I have churches buying it. I have groups you know, purchasing it for their staff at the church. Right. It's really for anyone that senses, you know, God's really calling me to minister deliverance. Yeah. Any believer can cast out demons. Yeah, exactly. Jesus didn't limit it to one person or pastors exactly. or evangelists, right? Right. And so I, I've, I've really sensed an increase in the need for equipping. That's true. So and true. I've, I've, I've never had so many leaders reaching out saying, hey, would you help me get deliverance going in my church? I've always had individuals reaching out saying, hey, right. could you pray for me? Right. Now it's, I'm seeing a shift uh, where people so are needed. starting to embrace so it more. So yeah, I wanted to create a resource that could be biblical and yeah. practical uh, while, while also emphasizing there's no formula for deliverance. Right. But hey, here's some keys, mm-hmm. some principles, and even a practical model that right. you could just begin to step out and use as you listen to the Holy Spirit yeah, and follow His so words. Good. So if you're saying, hey, I need help with this, this is something great speaking to me, jakekale.com. Correct. Go to our show notes. We've got lots of information on there about his books, How to Minister Deliverance, Setting Captives Free, and other books that Jake has written, resources for, for the body of Christ, and so grateful for the way you've, you've done that to help all of us, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so practical, down to earth. Uh, talk about the occult. You know, we didn't talk about okay. that. Okay. Yeah, so one of the areas that can really open the door for demonic influence is this area. It's called the occult, O-C-C-U-L-T. And it's a, it's a broad term that refers to really any type of spiritual practice or belief uh, that taps into the supernatural outside of the one true living God. Uh-huh. So God is supernatural. God does supernatural things. He gives sure us supernatural does. gifts. Yes. Absolutely. But so does the enemy. So, so can the kingdom of darkness. So, right. you know, it could be witchcraft where people are trying to control and manipulate circumstances and people through rituals or activities like that. It could be divination, like trying to tap into reading the future, like through yep. palm reading or psychic powers. Yeah. could be sorcery. It could be new age practices. There's really so much mm. that, that so many branches of it. And it's really influencing society more than we, than we realize. But when a person steps into those areas, it really is a major open door. Okay. And, and so getting free from that, there needs to be a real clean break, like a real 
hard, hard and fast cutting this off. Like in the book of Acts, I think it's chapter 19, they burned yes, their they magic books. They had these right. sorcery books and, and they said, you know what, we're just going to make a clean break. We're just going to completely burn them. We're not going to, they were worth a lot of money, it said. And so any objects, any books, any things you have, really making a clean, clean renunciation of it. Right, So you can right. get free of it. Right. So good. And Jake, and I, you've been teaching in our school now, the Dove Global Leadership mm-hmm. Ministry School, and we're so grateful that you're helping us and you're helping the body of Christ. And again, anybody wants to get find out more about Jake, his ministry, uh, you say, I'd love to have this guy come to our church, and we need freedom in these areas. Mm-hmm. You know, go to jakehill.com, go to just check out the show notes, and all the information is there. Now, talk to me yet about setting our children free. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah, that's another topic that's coming more to the forefront is what about deliverance for children? Right. And we see in the Gospels uh, two examples of children being set free. One was a boy that a father brought to Jesus. Right. One was the young daughter of the uh, the woman who came to Jesus and said, hey, my daughter is at home being tormented. So we see biblically that children can need deliverance. And when I when I lead children through deliverance, it's a lot of the same basic principles. I just try to really make it bite-sized mm-hmm. and talk in a way that kids can understand right. and uh, do it in a way that doesn't scare them. You know, I, I really want to emphasize the victory of Jesus, mm. the power of Jesus. And so I might talk about, you know, bad spirits and just... You know, they're, you know, they're kind of like germs. They, they can't see them, but right. they try to kind of That's get good. in and it's cause good. yucky things. And, it's good. You know, but Jesus wants to free from those. And um, But kids can come under demonic influence for a variety of reasons. It might be through traumatic things they've experienced in their home. Right. Uh, things they've been exposed to. Um, lots of, you know, ge- um, generational influences. So there's different reasons why children can, can come under that. But, exactly. Um, you know, if they're really young, like one, two, three, I just pray over them while they're sleeping. Okay. You know, okay. and then if they're, if they're a little bit older, That's if they're good. six, seven, eight, nine and up, you know, then I can begin to just gently walk them through. Yeah. Obviously, parents are there with them and you know, we're mm. helping, helping to navigate that. But um, yeah, really important. I've, I've seen it in my own family. I've seen yeah. uh, you know, deliverance happen, you know, with, even with our own children. So. so deliverance is for everyone. That's right. Every, we all need deliverance. I've been through deliverance many times in my life. Yeah. We all need deliverance yeah. and we need to stay free and help That's other right. people stay free. Anything else you want to say about deliverance that would help us today or help anybody listening today? Yeah, yeah. I just, again, I, I believe God is really highlighting the area of deliverance. I believe yeah. it's something that he really wants the body of Christ to embrace, to not be ashamed of, right. to not be, you know, have the stigma or think, well, it's kind of weird or out there. And I know there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in the name of deliverance that maybe isn't biblical or maybe right. it's extreme or wacky. Or and just, people turn it off because exactly, of those things. Exactly. Yeah. So I, w- I would really encourage people to really look at it from the Word, look at it from yeah. Scripture, yes. see that this is a vital part of the ministry of Jesus, and it's a component of His ministry. It's not the whole, it's a part, but it's a very, very important part. And just really inter- just encourage believers, church leaders, to really take a fresh look mm. at deliverance because so many people are sitting in our churches right. and they need to be set free. They do. They need to be they set do. free. So. Yeah. So good. How to Minister Deliverance Training Manual, written by Jake Kale. And again, you get that all from jakekale.com. You can check out the show notes and that. Uh, I'm assuming Amazon has it also. Correct. You know, any place you buy books, you can, you can yep. find this. And I just want to again say thank you to you, not just for being here today, but for the way you have allowed the Lord to use you to help the body of Christ in this area of deliverance. It's so needed, mm-hmm. so needed. I mean, this is, you, you said it well. 
It's part of the gospel. Yeah. It's really it is. part of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's what he did. Yes. That's what he proclaimed. That's what he had the disciples do, and mm-hmm. we're called to do, obviously, the same, the same thing today. So talk to us yet just for a moment about if someone says, man, I'd like to— I'd like to start a deliverance ministry, or I'd like to, or maybe our church needs this. Yeah. How would they start? What would you recommend they do? What resources mm-hmm. do you have that would help them? What do you recommend? Yeah, um, that's a great question because that comes up quite a bit. And um, so I, I think a, a great first step is making sure there's real unity in the in the in the leadership team. Good. That's that's right? a good leadership. That's a good leadership concept. <laughs> yes. Thank you. So you might start just by having a handful of leaders. You know, if if it's brand new, yeah. I would say start with like setting captives free. Yeah, that book just to get the foundations, the biblical mm-hmm. foundations. Yeah, maybe walk through like with your leadership team. You know, maybe read it through over the course of a month or a couple months. Right, right, and just and then if there's unity and you're really sensing, okay, we want to bring this more to our church. Uh, I would then I would say then start with a, a, a team of, of maybe. A handful of people, 10, 15 people that sure. might be prayer ministers, right. that might feel a drawing to it, maybe work with them and kind of start to equip them and train them. Um, sometimes people bring me in or you know a trusted voice sure. in that sure. can help with that process. If you don't feel equipped to actually teach it or, or, right. or lead it, sometimes you can bring in a guest speaker to help sure. kind of lay that foundation. Uh, and then I would, I would decide how you want to approach it for your church. What's right for your context? Will you provide... It in small groups. Will you provide personal ministry sessions? Mm-hmm. Will you do services, you know, deliverance services? And that's, those aren't right or wrong questions. That's just as a leadership team discerning, okay, what does this look like for us? Exactly. You know, like for, for myself and the church that I lead, we do, it's very prominent in our church. So we do a monthly deliverance service. We open it to the region. We have people come from out of state every single sure. month. Um, but maybe that's not the calling you have. Right. Uh, and so maybe you want to do it in a small group setting. We also offer personal sessions. So I think those are some of the questions you want to you want to you want to wrestle through, and then when you're yeah when you're ready, I would say don't be afraid to talk about it from the pulpit. Yeah. Don't be afraid to teach on it. Don't be afraid to have testimonies of people that can mm-hmm. really help bring it to real life. When there's testimonies of people that experience deliverance, and then also take a long term approach. You know, when you're when you're trying to implement something in a church body, you have to almost see it as like cultivating a field. Right. It's not just why well, I preached a sermon one time and so now right. it's all going to happen. Right. It's actually a long-term approach of, okay, I'm going to do a series. We're going to mm-hmm. offer something for people. We're going to maybe do an event n- next year. Like, so just kind of taking a longer-term approach of we're going to cultivate this and actually get it established in our church versus let's just do a one-time sure. event sure. or a meeting. And so yeah. those are some tips I would, I would thank mention. Thank you, thank you. Oh, it also goes back to leadership. Healthy leaders will do all they can to keep their team healthy. Yes. And this is one way our teams can stay healthy, mm-hmm. healthy spiritually, emotionally, mentally, you name it, relationally, because they're all connected together. Yep. And so I, I want to honor you and say thank you again for providing these resources for the body Absolutely. of Christ. Yeah. And uh, any last minute words of wisdom you have before we sign off today, Jake? No, I would just, again, um, I, I think I said it on maybe last week's podcast, um, all true ministry and leadership flows out of a relationship yes, with God. It does. So it really just it. Go, comes down to that place of intimacy with God, a secret place, following His voice and walking with Him. So, But it's been such a blessing right. to be here, Larry. Thanks for wow. having me on the, on the podcast. So good having you. JakeKale.com, Threshold Church. Uh, again, Jake ministers throughout the nation. Uh, and he's he's happy to uh, connect with you if you have any questions about that possibility in the future. 
And uh, Setting Captives Free, his book, uh, landmark book, and also How to Minister Deliverance Training Manual by Jake Hill. Jake, thanks for having us today on the Leadership Podcast. And it's just uh, so good knowing there's men of your generation who are hearing God on these things that are so important. Because I remember well, many years ago, there was a lot of ministry and deliverance. Some of it went haywire, and some people get turned off. But you're coming with this clear, based on the Word of God, truth concept about deliverance that we need so desperately. Thanks, Larry. I say thanks. Oh, thanks so much. It's been great to be here. Thanks for being here. And to everybody, we'll see you again on the Larry Crider Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.